0: Today we're going to continue um, in our series in Philippians, and today we're looking at I think one of the most important parts of this entire uh, book. Let's pray together and let God speak to us. Father, we do invite you to speak. Uh, We want to think about eternity. We want our lives to be invested there instead of in this temporary uh, place that's just a mist. It'll be gone in a little while. God, thank you so much for you, gu- guaranteeing eternity through your son. We pray in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, um, it's rainy. I don't know what rain does to us, but it makes us all late. It makes us all, you know, lazy and just not, not wanting to get out of bed. I, I don't know. Uh, but then, um, you know, when we're always late, we're trying to like make up for time, lost time. Uh, anybody needing to make up lost time? Be careful, because that's when the roads are slick, right? And You do a little hydroplane, you do a little… Be careful, slow down, stay safe on the road. Sometimes in life, I feel like I'm doing a little bit of that catch-up kind of thing, right? I'm always… something is, is there to make me, oh no, hurry up and deal with this. Hurry up and answer that question. Hurry up. And our question this morning that we're starting off is, are we standing firm? Are we kind of going through life in kind of a hydroplane, kind of slipping and sliding? Um, So many things can cause us to feel unsteady in our life, right? Maybe you're um, facing some illness kind of thing that's got you a little bit, ooh, don't know what's going on, that's got me unsteady. Or maybe uh, in your walk with God, or maybe you feel like you're not standing firm in the Lord um, uh, because... It's a new time, it's a new school, it's a new semester, and you don't know what's going on. Maybe there's job change, maybe there's just family uncertainty with others, but there's always something that can make us feel uh, unfirm or not unsecure. So the question we start off this morning is, are you standing firm in the Lord? or Are you like this guy on the tightrope going, oh my goodness, how am I keeping my balance? Am I, you're just hanging on. Some of you are thinking, oh, whew, I can tune out. This is not the so- sermon for me. I'm feeling good, Pastor Mike. I'm, I'm, I'm secure. I'm having a good time. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul warns us. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you think, hey, this semester is off to a great start. I'm doing well with Jesus. Be careful that you don't fall. If you're thinking, ah, I'm enjoying retirement. I'm good to go. Be careful, because those things just kind of creep in. Those things that pull us away from the Lord can pull us away. And let's continue to remember that we need to be careful. Um, So there's a verse that caught my attention in Philippians chapter 4, very first verse of chapter 4, verse 1. It says this about standing firm. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown... Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Stand firm in the Lord in this way. You all know what the question is, right? Uh, What way? (laughs) Uh, uh, I missed it. It was chapter 4. It was the very first verse. What are you talking about? We have to remember that the New Testament, when it was written, um, as God inspired uh, his apostles, as he inspired those who followed Jesus, as he inspired people like Paul to write these words, it was not chapters and verses. Those are not in the original. The little subject headings, those were added later. In the original, it was just one giant flowing letter. So when it says something like, oh, this is the way you stand firm, He's, he's, he's continuing to talk. There wasn't a chapter break right there for the Apostle Paul. So let's look at chapter 3 because that's what he's talking about. And this passage really begins in verse 17 where he says, Join with others uh, in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you, and now I again say even with tears many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, their destiny is destruction, and their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but us Our citizenship, it's in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies, so they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you stand firm in the Lord, or stand firm in the Lord in this, in that way, or in this way, dear friends. All right, you got it? Or did you still miss it? I, something went on there. It was something about God was their stomach. I'm thinking, well, I've already had breakfast. Lunch is coming. And God is there. He said something about glory is in their shame. He said something about our citizenship, and he said something about follow my example. Okay, let's break it down. Paul gives us some really key things that is about our mindset and how we stand firm. How we stand firm against temptation. How we stand firm when the pressures of life are kind of making us feel uncertain. How we stand firm in new experiences or in old. Whatever's going on, he's going to give us some some insight. The first insight I think he gives is to stand firm, you need to be all in and all about eternity all in and all about eternity. Where did I find that? Look in verse 20 again. Look in verse 20. This is the key. He says, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. Don't miss that. For the Apostle Paul, this is absolutely critical. For him, this idea is, look, this is temporary. Now, he was a Roman citizen. He didn't get to vote. He didn't get to decide on who's the emperor, but he was a citizen. It gave him certain rights. It gave him certain privileges. And brothers and sisters, we have that too. We've got to be honest. Being here in the United States, we do live in a blessed place, in a blessed country. But this isn't our citizenship ultimately. This isn't our home ultimately. And as, quite frankly, we go around for another round of this uh, political turmoil that we are in as a nation, this political divisiveness, do not get sucked in. Be light. Be salt. It's fine, right? Vote your conscience, but don't get sucked in. This is temporary. This is not eternal. Our citizenship is in heaven. We belong in another place. There's an old song that goes something like... (laughs) there's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. It's my father's house. There's a big, big house with a big field where we can play football. There's a big, big table where we've got lots of food. That's my home. That's my eternity. That's where I'm going. This place, it occupies a little bit in my existence, but my eternity? Oh, man. My citizenship is in heaven. My kingdom that I live for is his, Jesus' kingdom. This world is not my big place. I eagerly await a savior from there. Some of you guys know I just had a birthday. What, you didn't know? Well, that's okay, your presence here is nice, but also other presents can be given online. Um, I have a website, no, no. Getting older? Sometimes I realize, I I think when I was younger, I was like, oh, I got so much of my life ahead of me. It's all there. But the older I get, the more I'm thinking, no, 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 eternity really is eternity. This is the temporary stuff. I've often used this uh, statement with my college students that I work with and teach when they're worried and stressed out about an exam. And they're just, I mean, they're sweating and they're panicking and they don't know what's going to happen. And this, I mean, it's where the whole 20% of your grade. And I mean, this is a biggie. And you just, and, and. I always say, do you know what I made in American literature on my sophomore year? They're like, no, what? I'm like, exactly. i like, I still don't know. I'm like, yeah, and you never will. You know, why could it doesn't matter? Do you know who has asked me about that class? Nobody. You know who cares about that class? No one. It was like one exam, one time, one grade, one thing. It's on some transcript that I can't even find anymore, except when I'm trying to apply for a job, and nobody worries about it. Right? So much of our life is like, oh, yeah, but you don't understand. I have this job interview. It's a big deal. Pray, leave it in God's hands. But our citizenship is in heaven. But you don't understand. I have got this medical exam. I got this thing, and I'm worried. Yeah, it's temporary. It's not going to last long, but it's going to take years. That's nothing. It's a blink of a high. It's a blip. It's nothing because our citizenship is in heaven, and we await a Savior from there. So much of my life, I have literally just, I mean, wasted worrying about stuff. And Jesus told us, do not worry. Look at the birds. They don't worry about stuff. God provides for them. Look at the grass. Not even Solomon was arrayed like any one of those flowers out there. And yet, we worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear. How's our life going to work out? Brothers and sisters, our citizenship is in heaven. And we await a Savior. He's coming. He's coming back. And he's coming for us. Why are we worried? And he will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his heavenly body. So that doesn't mean don't go to the gym. Though that is somehow how I'm applying it quite often. Uh, It doesn't mean don't go. You can feel free to eat healthy. Go to the gym. But we all know that our bodies are deteriorating. that, that, That we're fighting a losing battle here earlier in the week, I was in the parking lot, and I had twisted something in my back, you know, it, it, it was gone. it was just a little twinge, and I was getting out of my car, and you, you know how when you get one of those twinges, and it's just like, it's just uncomfortable, you know, Tim Rupal was there, uh, he was blessing me, and I said, Tim, I just, yeah, he was looking, and he said, are you okay, I said, yeah, I just got a little twinge, you know, in the back, some, some, something's up, uh, you know, just a little something, he said, oh, uh, that's just getting you ready for the next 25 years. I was like, thanks for that encouragement. Thanks for that little bit of comfort. I mean, come on. Okay, the truth of the matter is this is a losing battle. We will be transformed. This is not my home. This is not my final state, and I am thankful for that. God is ultimately taking us to be with him. Now, here's the thing you're thinking. We're supposed to be telling me about how to stand firm. All right, I'm going to give you an insight. If you read Paul's letters, and I'm talking about every single one of them, you go through and really study Paul's letters, he always links how we live right now, our moral calling to be holy, to be God's, he always links it to eternity. He always does. For example, in Colossians, he says, look, you can try all these rules, but they do nothing to restrain our sensual indulgence. Instead, in Colossians 3, he says, since therefore you've been raised with Christ, set your heart where? Above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds where? Above. Not on earthly things. If you're going to stand firm, you set it above. First Corinthians… Or 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, that's a good one. He does a whole thing about Christ coming back. And with the trumpet call of God, the voice of the archangel, and a loud shout, the Lord himself will descend. And we who are left alive will be gathered together with those who have fallen asleep to meet Jesus in the air. That's what happens. And so he says this in chapter 5, right after he talks about Jesus coming back. So since we belong to the day, the day, He's talking about that day, the day when Jesus returns. Since we belong to the day, let us be sober or thoughtful. Let us put on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. You see, the way we live is completely impacted by our perspective. If we think this is what matters, this choice, this issue, this decision, it's confusing. If we realize we belong there then that temptation often just fades away. That's just little stuff. That that, that crucial decision becomes clear in the light of that day. We put on faith and love. We put on hope of salvation as that helmet. It keeps our minds in the right place. Paul, in the same way, tells Timothy, his young protege, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, he says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge... Because our actions will be judged in that day. The living and the dead in view of his what? His appearing. When the clouds break open. When Jesus marches in with his heavenly host. When Christ is seen as king. Because now we don't see he's king. We don't see him as king. That's what the writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 2. We don't see him as king right now. But he is king over all things. And when the clouds in the sky are ripped apart. And we see him face to face. And we see his glory we will know what's important. So he says, so in light of all that, I give you this charge. Here's how you should live today. Here's what you should do right now. Here's how you should conduct yourself, Timothy. All the way through Paul's letters, he connects being all about eternity with the motivation of how we live today. Wow. Could you take a moment? What's a place where you've sort of like, mm, maybe you've been stumbling a bit, What's captured your heart a bit? What's been the worry in your life a bit? In light of eternity, does it melt away? In light of eternity, does it become clear? In light of eternity, does some of that temptation sort of pull back? Because I know we're about right now, but Jesus has called us to be about eternity. So we got to be all in. If we're going to stand firm in the Lord, we got to be all in. All right, you ready for another point? This is a good one. There are those here who are like that. And Paul tells us, in fact, to imitate our models together, imitate our models together, that there are people that OK, I'm going to give you a little clue there are, there are models among us, like, like literally people who have done modeling, that they are among us, even in this congregation. Only some have seen this. Um, this was for Capital Luggage over here. Uh, they gave me a Starbucks gift card if I would be in their little, uh, their little uh, online Facebook ad. Um, yeah, yeah, I got, you know, I'm, I'm in the biz. Um, uh, luggage model, luggage model, you know, just pulling pull the suitcase there. Um, one of the other young ladies up there, um, she is going to be one of our missionary speakers next week. Wait, what? Yeah, because she was a college student in our college ministry, and now she and her husband are heading off for missions, and she's actually one of the other people featured in, our, in that little ad. So you know, there are models among us. Who knew? Now, the reason I kind of do this, you're thinking, oh gosh, you just you're you're really about yourself. It's Paul. Paul's my example. Look what he says in in Philippians chapter three. Join with others, he says in chapter three, verse seventeen. Join with others in following who? My example. Brothers and sisters, and just if you have us <laughs> as your model, keep your eye on those who do good. Well, Paul does that seem a little bit arrogant, buddy. Join with others in following my example. He says this quite often. Look in chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 9. It says, Whatever you have learned, or received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. If I'm doing it, you should do it. If you've seen it in me, yeah, put that into practice. All of those things. Now, I've got to be honest, most of us, if that's <coughs> what we said, we're thinking a little bit on the arrogant side, a little bit boastful. But for the Apostle Paul, it wasn't because he had gotten to a place where he was living for eternity and he knew that he was this example to these brand new Christians. He was the example of how to live, what to put forward. And honestly, he says, don't just follow him in everything. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. It's not just be like, well, you know, I sort of go with the sports coat and no tie. You ought to wear a sports coat, too. It's not that. It's in those areas where my character, where my perspective, where my insight is like Jesus. Imitate those things. Be like Christ in me. See where you see Jesus transforming my character. And you emulate those things. You put them into practice. And it wasn't just Paul. Back in Philippians 3, our main passage, he says join together in following my example and keep your eye on those who live as we do. Paul was insistent that the Philippian church know the other believers within that Philippian church. He mentions a few of them even in that passage in chapter 4. He talks about those, his loyal yoke yoke fellow, those who were contending at his side for the gospel, those who were the additional models among them. Who are your models? Who are those within this body of believers, within your life, that you're like, that guy, that lady, that young person, they are sold out. They are all in for Jesus. Do you talk to them? Okay, next week. Our missionaries are going to be here. Whitney Moreau's going to be here. You're not going to want to miss her. Peter, Peter and Tina Hahn, you're going, to, you're going to want to be here with them. Why? Because we need to be around these that have given their lives to make Jesus known. They inspire me. They, 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 they light within me that, 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 that soul-burning passion, right? I mean, the truth of the matter is, if you're feeling chilly... Go get near the fire, right? If you're feeling cold, go get, go, go get where the warmth is. You need to be around. I'm just saying go get a blanket and sit by yourself. I'm saying go get near the heater, you know? Go get where it's hot. We need to gather together as believers. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this. Uh, in Hebrews chapter uh, 10, it says this. And yet, let us consider how we may spur one another not just some great, super exalted, let's just look at our pastor. No, no, no. Let us consider how we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up the meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see what? The day the day of Jesus' return. All the more as you see the day approaching, we need each other to remember. You know how it works, right? You guys have been camping. Anybody do the camping thing? Some people don't like camping. I like camping. You want, the, you want your coals nice and hot when you're going to cook your hot dog or whatever you brought with you, right? You, you want to make your s'mores. You, yeah, you don't want the big flame just catching your marshmallows on. No, no, you just want a nice bed of coals But then you want the fire to go out because you're supposed to go tonight and you're not supposed to set the forest on fire. You spread your coals out, right? Cover them with a little dirt because they'll cool off. It's the same with us spiritually. You want to go be alone? You're trying to be a lone ranger? You're trying to do it yourself? You're going to cool off you just will. It's not how Jesus designed his body to work. His body, just like our bodies, have to stay connected. You cut off a finger, it's going to die. You need us to stay. We need to stay together. Don't be in the habit. Now, can you miss a week? Oh, yeah, you're sick. Oh, you're visiting family. Oh, yeah. No one's worried about that. It's okay. But when I miss two weeks and three weeks and it becomes a month, and then all of a sudden, it's been six months since I've been there your walk with God will deteriorate. It just can't happen. We need to be around the fire. We need to be around those who help us and encourage us and strengthen us. Don't give up the meeting together. How can we spur one another? How are we modeling to others? Now, you're thinking, (laughs) well… Pastor Mike, I understand. I mean, you've been doing this for a while. Pastor Barry, Dave, oh yeah, these other leaders, they've been around with Jesus a long time, but you don't understand. I'm brand new. I don't contribute anything here. I I, I don't know that I'm really uh, being much of a model. Here's what Paul says to the Thessalonian Christians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He says this. He uses the same idea, right? You know how we lived among you for your sake. Okay, he's a model. You know how we lived. And you became what? An imitator of us and the Lord, right? And you should, right? You're supposed to imitate our models. Then he says, and you also became what? A model to all the believers in the whole region, Macedonia and Achaia. You're thinking, okay, they grew and became good models. Did you know how long Paul was with the Thessalonians before he wrote this letter? Three weeks. Three weeks three weeks. And he had left them with the message of Jesus Christ. In three weeks, they had begun to imitate Paul and his devotion to Christ. And in three weeks, they began to study Scripture and and understand what Christ had for them. And they were ready to pass on and be a model to those in the world of what it meant to follow Jesus. You might say, but I'm brand new. I don't know as much as somebody else. It doesn't matter. We just learned from Pastor Barry last week that Christian maturity is not about a level that you achieve. It's not about a standard that you're at. It's about an orientation, a pursuit of knowing Christ. That and that alone can be the inspiration to others. Are you pursuing Jesus? That's why I love it when young people are fired up about Jesus because they, those of us who have been doing it long, we're like, oh yeah, I remember those days. Wait, wait, wait. I can't just remember those days. I can't remember those days. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, we seek the Lord. I'm speaking to some of us that might be a little bit (coughs) grayer like me. Um, Today, let's let our young adults inspire us as they're pursuing Jesus. Let's be around them because so often that's where the fire is hot. And let's make sure that we, as older believers, are keeping the fire burning and passing on and being that model. So the question becomes, what kind of model are you being? Is your character, is your heart ready to go? Are you modeling who Jesus is in your life? Because so often I think we can be not as good models as we should. It was many years ago, I bought a new car. It was the first brand new car I think I'd ever... Well, no, I take that back. But it was It was, like, it was one I bought for me. Usually, uh, I don't know if you have this pattern in your family, but it's like um, <clears throat> our pattern is my wife get, usually gets the new car and then I, and I get the hand-me-down. And, you know, because you want to keep her in the nice... And that's typically how we go. It's often been the our case. But this time, it was the first ever I bought a car for me. <clears throat> my wife had sent me out that day to look for a new washing machine because we needed one. <laughs> Came back with a car. <laughs> it was a nice car, too. I like I mean, it, is, it was nice. It was black. It was, it was big. I, I liked my car. I have a thing about that. I like my car. And, and this was my first one, and I really, I was trying to keep it all nice. And um, I went up to a college ministry meeting thing um, up kind of north of here. We were having some kind of retreat or something. And we had to go, in, I had to go pick up some food. And I said, anybody want to go with me? And uh, one of the young college students, uh, Rachel, At that time, Finney, she's back there, Rachel Jones, you know her. She was a young college student, not married yet, and she jumped in the car with me, and we drove, and we picked up a bunch of, like, food and stuff, and we came back, and we put it back in the trunk of my car as we were about to get in the car. There it was. It's Baltimore. Yeah, it's the Scratch. And somebody had just dinked it. I mean, the little, it was an intention almost. I mean, like, what did you do? It's like you couldn't just like scratch it. You like, like, really plowed into the thing. And I was like, come on. Oh, mm. And I remembered, oh yeah, you're supposed to be a model. <laughs> oh yeah, you're not supposed to be all about the things of this world. Oh yeah, you're supposed to be like, oh yeah, no big, you know, this is only temporary. I mean, that scratch is still there, I think, to this day. But, oh, you know how you are. That's how I am. The things of this world just get a hold of us. The things of this life just get a hold of us. And it seems so big and so important. And what I realized is this last truth is that Paul teaches us. If we're going to have this eternal perspective, if we're going to have this perspective that motivates us, well, we need to invest and relocate our treasure in eternity. Relocate our treasure in eternity. Look what he says in verse 18. For as I've often told you before and now even say with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, stop for a second because that caught my attention enemies? You mean people who are out to stop Jesus? You mean people who are against Christianity? You mean people who don't want us to tell others that, hey, if you don't know God, he's made a way. God sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. He rose again to make a way. God has made a way when there was no way. And if you put your faith in Jesus, you can have forgiveness and love and relationship with him. Are there people who are enemies of that, like opposing that, like trying to distort the good news of Jesus? Oh, man, that, I can see where Paul's upset. Yeah, enemies, enemies. But then I thought, but he says it with tears. Is, is he sad about the fact that there's opposition? And then I realized something. Look at how he describes those enemies. Look at how he describes them. In the next verse, verse 19, he says, their destiny is destruction Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. And their mind is set on earthly things. And then I realized we can be the enemies of the cross of Christ. We, the believers, we who are part of the family, we're the ones who who can often make our stomach our God. Now, we're not talking about the fact that we get hungry. I get hungry. When I get really hungry, you know how it goes. I mean, don't get in between me and food. I mean, we all get hungry but he's talking about those desires, those base desires, those desires for physical things, those desires may, may, maybe they are for indulgences of some type, um, some kind of pleasure, some kind of like, we want those dopamine things going off and not dope like drugs, but like, you know, the ones in our head. Well, maybe it's because we're addicted to video games or movies. Maybe it's about sexuality and those kinds of things that pull at us. Maybe it's just about other kinds of pleasurable experiences that we just want more and more. Their God is in their stomach. He says, what they glory in, what they're most proud about what they're most excited about is actually shameful it's not wrong to have the new car but when that's my glory (laughs) a new car compared to eternity compared to the house that my jesus has prepared for me in heaven compared to the life that christ has given to me compared to the mission that god has given me what is this other little stuff that i'm all excited about it's like the kid who's excited about the wrapping paper instead of the present inside. Oh no, our God is our stomach, our glory is our shame, and our mind is just completely set on earthly things on earthly things. He's, Paul tells Timothy, he says, look, those who want to get rich, they fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. This stuff can overwhelm us. It's not just money, though. Look at 1 John chapter 2. John says, don't love the world. Don't love anything in the world for the love of the Father is not in them. The world and its desires are passing away, but he who does the will of God lives forever. And Jesus Always got to listen to Jesus. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven, Matthew 6. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And bingo, there it is. Did you see it? You want to have this heavenly perspective? You want to have a perspective that says, man, I'm all about eternity? You want to follow that model? Then, hey, part of what you need to do is follow the model of putting your treasure in eternity rather than here. Treasure in eternity rather than here. So my question to you today is, what are you going to do this week to put more of your treasure in eternity? Now, <clears throat> step number one, just put more in the offering plate, right? No, no. But actually, we do put in front of our treasure by doing that, by investing in God's kingdom, by supporting our missionaries, by giving. That is a way that we need to put our treasure in eternity rather than trying to hold on. But I often think our treasure is time. Our treasure is time. Are you putting your time into spiritual things? Maybe helping with a Bible study. Maybe helping uh, with the card ministry. Maybe helping with where are you putting your time? Maybe it's taking somebody out for a coffee to share Jesus on campus. I'll tell you about Michelle someday. And she she was an RA on campus, and she used all the money she she made to take a student out every week uh, to just buy him lunch and share Jesus with him. <laughs> it was a pretty cool, a pretty cool girl. Um, what are you doing to invest in eternity? Where is your time? Is it all spent on you, or is it spent on eternity? Finally, what kind of model are you being for others? Um, are you modeling this per- eternal perspective? Are you living for that life and not for this one? The challenge today is clear. Are you living for Jesus? Are you living for him? Are you living for eternity? Or has everything else in this life got you worried tied up in knots, pulled away. For some of you, you've lived your whole life for this life. And now you're beginning to ask the question, what is going to happen for eternity? Jesus has told us. Jesus has already said that he has gone to prepare a place for us. For whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life with him. You need Jesus. He's the only one who died for sins. You need Jesus. He's the only one that can give you eternal life. For those of you who are believers, what will you do this week? Is it go to Bible study on campus? Is it share more of your time with the church? Is it come to prayer meeting tonight? Is it saying I'm putting my mindset more in eternity than in what's going on right now? We're going to have a time. The music team is going to lead us just in one final song. But as they do, it's a decision time. Would you take this time with Jesus? Would you commit to him? If you need to make a decision, if you want to know more or join this church, or if you want to to know more about what it is to follow Jesus, you come. Uh, You can come right now. and, And we will make that decision. But every one of us, right where you are, would you make that decision how you are going to follow Jesus? Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would guide us as a church, that you would help each of us invest more in your kingdom and lessen what we think is ours. It's all for you. Let it all be for you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.